Welcome to Faith Westwood's online service. My name is Holly Timberlake. I'm the Director of Adult and Family Discipleship here at Faith Westwood. If this is your first time here, we'd like to thank you for stopping by and joining us. During this service, we will continue with worship music, have a children's time, and a message with Pastor Steve, and we will celebrate in Holy Communion. If you would like to participate in communion, all are welcome to join us at home. Also, this week is the deadline for school supplies for Central Middle School. You can turn in your school supplies in the West Entrance Vestibule, and we will get them to Central Middle School for you. We'd like you to continue in worship with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. another adventure in Romans 8, looking for God's promises. Today's promise is a big one for us to remember when we're hurting or going through a tough time. I want to share a video with you today that explains God's promise really well. It's called God's Story Recreation, and it's from Crossroads Kids Club, and they've given us permission to share that with you today. So grab your handy dandy binoculars. And if you haven't made any yet, that's okay. You'll have time after children's time. 
and let's go see what God's promise is today. God's story, recreation. So part of God's story is about when he recreates the world and it begins like this. Remember the garden where the first humans, Adam and Eve, lived with God? It was a perfect world. Everybody joyful, included, safe, and loved. Lots of laughter, playing, and exploring. Basically, whatever we needed to be happy and comfortable, it was there. There was no such thing as sadness, or boredom, or pain, or hate, or death, or anything bad. Kids, can you imagine living in a world like that? Well, God promised to recreate another perfect world for his family, sometime in the future. It's really hard to understand what a perfect world would be like, since life can be full of hurt and disappointment. So God told us a little bit about it in the Bible, and even sent his angel to visit a man named John and show him, so John could write it down for us. We still can't picture it exactly, but God wants us to try to imagine it, and he wants us to get really, really excited. See, here's what the angel showed John. Jesus on a throne, a perfect king in a place with no hunger, no crime, no war, and millions of angels saying blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne. Everybody was excited about this king. John also saw a city coming down from heaven, bright with God's glory and sparkling with precious jewels like glitter. We don't know exactly how bright God's glory is, but it probably makes the sunniest day look cloudy. Don't worry though, you can't get a sunburn in the new world, partly because we might not need sun with God's glory, but also because there will be no pain. Anyway, this city had a wall with 12 pearl gates guarded by 12 angels. The wall was made of white jasper, and the city was pure gold, gold like glass. A crystal clear river will flow straight from the throne of God with water we can scoop up and drink whenever we want. And the water is special. When we drink it, we'll live forever. In fact, no people, animals, or plants will ever die in the new world. Now you may wonder what happens to all the people throughout history who chose to be in God's family but died before he recreated the world. Well, they'll come back to life and live forever in the perfect world too. And God promised us other stuff. For starters, he'll wipe away the tears from our eyes. He'll give us new bodies that don't hurt anywhere and don't get sick. There won't be any fear. We'll forget everything bad that happened to us on Earth. Everybody there will be a part of God's family. And everyone will treat each other with love. Because when we see the amazing place God created for us, we'll finally understand just how much God has always loved us. And the best part? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will live there with us too. There are many other things God is waiting to surprise us with. And some things he told us, like world peace, no sunburns, and always being loved, are hard for us to imagine. But we can trust that God will keep his promise to recreate the world, and that this world will be wonderful, and everyone who lives there will be filled with joy forever. And that's the story of recreation. So, in case you missed it, here's the quick version. The world used to be perfect. Now it's not. God promised to make it perfect again. God showed John the new world. Jesus will be on a throne. A glittering city will come down. The city will be perfect. We will live forever. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will live with us. We will be filled with joy. And that's a part of God's story. God's promise to us is that the best is yet to come. And I think that's a pretty amazing promise. We need to remember that when we're in pain or going through a tough time. And we need to remember to look forward. 
because the best is yet to come. And speaking of looking forward, I have a very important announcement about the Backpack Blessing Tour 2020 coming up next week. Because just in case you forgot, it's 2020 and things change very quickly right now. And so the Backpack Blessing, of course, is the same, but on a totally different day now. It's been moved from August 6th to August 5th, same time, 6.30 to 7.30 at Faith Westwood. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you there and seeing you in 3D. I'm really looking forward to that. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, amen. I love you and I miss you all very, very much. Hope to see you next week at the Moved Backpack Blessing on August 5th. Bye. Today's scripture is from Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 18 through 25. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and be brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Morning, Faith family. I want to tell you a story. Wealthy New Yorker Leona Helmsley died in 2007, and she left $12 million not to her grandchildren, but to her dog. Do you remember that? She set up a trust fund for her Maltese named Trouble. Now, her family must have had a pretty good lawyer because they got a judge to drop the dog's inheritance down from 12 million to 2 million. But still, Trouble got pretty good care. Uh, her caretaker spent $100,000 a year on her, including paying for a full-time security guard. Now, the Bible also talks about an inheritance. And those who belong to Jesus are heirs. And they will receive an inheritance that God has prepared. This is, uh, today is our second, our third week of the series, Hang On, where we're hanging on to God's promises from Romans chapter 8. Now, two weeks ago, we started off with a promise of no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to thank my friend, uh, Russ Tompkins, for giving the message last Sunday on the promise of the witness of the Spirit, the testimony of the Spirit, giving us the inner assurance, that deep down knowing that we are God's children. Now, if you missed either one of those services or messages, you can watch it from our Facebook page, or our app, or our website, or of course you can find it as an audio podcast. Now, Paul's letter to the Romans makes it clear 
that we're all sinners, but because of God's kindness, that is His grace, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are given a full pardon. We are put in a right relationship with God. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are set free from bondage to our sinful impulses. So the benefits of belonging to Jesus are just amazing, but there's even more. Verse 17, now if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we will share this inheritance with Christ, but we know Jesus took the path of suffering to, to come into his inheritance and we'll do the same. Now, of course, we go through suffering in all the ways that people everywhere suffer in this life illness, injury, grief, anxiety, depression, abuse, prejudice. Uh, plus, as people who belong to Jesus, we may at times suffer for our faith. And we know in some places of the world, that's pretty serious stuff. But here's, here's the promise. Verse 18, this is our verse of the day. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? It's powerful. Would you say it with me? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, let's break this down a little bit. When Paul says, I consider, the Greek word that he's using is borrowed from the language of bookkeeping. He's saying, I've added it all up. I've done the calculations, and this is what I've come up with. This is what I conclude. It's like Paul is using a cosmic balance scale. And on one side of the scale, we have our earthly suffering. And when we, of course, we look at all the suffering in the world today, we know it's very heavy. About five months ago, I, I talked with the kids in uh, children's time about the coronavirus. And I asked him, well, have you heard about it? And one kid raised his hand and called out and said, yeah, 100,000 people have died of it. And I said, well that many people have gotten it, and, and that's mostly in China, but only about 5,000 have died. Well, back then it wasn't even called a pandemic. Now it's become a worldwide microscopic terrorist. Now, I know after a while we just get numb to all the big numbers we keep hearing, but according to Johns Hopkins, uh, more than 17 million people have gotten COVID-19 worldwide, and two-thirds of a million have died from it. And of course, bringing it closer to home, uh, I've said this before, I know of six people from Faith Westwood have been infected. Thankfully, none of them died. But I also know from talking to some of you that you have had friends and family members who have died from COVID-19. And of course, just because we're in the middle of a pandemic doesn't mean that other kinds of suffering stop happening. Um, I know I've been uh, praying the last several months for a nine-year-old boy the grandson of a friend of mine who was driving a four-wheeler and hit a tree. And head trauma has severely infected him physically, mentally. And I know some of you have been laid off. Some of you are just seeing your businesses, it seems like going down the tubes. And some of you have been just dealing with a whole bunch of anxiety or depression. Uh, I remember nearly 15 years ago, 
I got a call, it was 3.30 in the morning on a Sunday, and it was a pastor that I know, uh, my brother and sister-in-law's pastor, and he said that my nephew, a senior in high school, had taken his life. Well, we immediately, we drove uh, to their town, to their house, and we, we were there in the house with them um, during the day for the next several days, and, uh, and with a bunch of the rest of the family. And, and I could tell you that during that time, we cried more than we have ever cried before. And, and of course, some of you may remember six months after we moved here, nearly 10 years ago, we learned that Trisha's nephew in Virginia had taken his life. So we flew to Virginia for his funeral um, and to be with his family. And, and when we put all of this suffering on the scale, I mean, it feels so heavy. It's like a freight train. It's so massive. It's so traumatic. And yet, there's more to the story. Let's, let's look at our promise again, shall we? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, Paul has uh, the present sufferings on one side of the scale with the future glory on the other. And he said the two, he said they're not worth comparing. And, and the word Paul uses here for worth comparing is axios, from which we get the word axis. And... Uh, Axios is used when two things were compared side by side on a scale. And, of course, that's how money and precious metals were measured out to determine their worth. Just put them on the scale. And he says that the, that the glory to be, that will be revealed is so much weightier. It's so much more substantial. It'll be so wonderful that our days of earthly suffering will seem like a dream from which we've just awakened. And, of course, this future glory isn't just for us, for us humans. It's for all creation. Let's go to verse 19. For the creation, it says, waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. You know how when you're watching and you're waiting for something to happen and you really want it to happen and you, you lean in? You're, you're anticipating it. You don't want to miss a moment of it. And that's what it says creation is doing. All of creation is, is leaning in because when Jesus returns, he will not only restore us to our full glory, the entire earth will be restored to its full glory. Now, what will that look like? Well, Scripture only gives us glimpses, and it's hard for me, when I read it, to know sometimes whether parts are meant to be read literally or what parts are meant to be read metaphorically. I've always loved this image from Isaiah where it says, The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. So we have predator and pray, living in peace. Now, whether that's talking about the animal kingdom or it's a metaphor for human kingdoms, I'm not sure. But it's a picture of harmony and safety. It's not our reality now, but it's the reality we're leaning into. 
at the beginning of C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Narnia has been taken over by the White Witch. Have some of you seen or watched this? Now, the White Witch has cursed Narnia, so it's always winter, but never Christmas. Doesn't this sound terrible? Always winter, but never Christmas. Imagine January in Nebraska going on for years and years and years. Now, that would be climate change. At the climax of the story, Aslan the lion breaks the witch's hold on Narnia by dying for a friend and rising from the dead. And when he does, the curse is broken. The sun comes out in full glory. Melting snow feeds the waterways. Trees break forth with buds and green leaves. And then Peter and Susan and Lucy and Edmund are crowned as kings and queens. All of Narnia rejoices as the prophesied sons of Adam and daughters of Eve sit on the four thrones and reign over Narnia in righteousness. And just like with Narnia, all creation eagerly awaits its restoration. Verse 21 says, Creation itself will be liberated from its, uh, from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. On that day when Christ restores all things, we humans will sit upon the thrones appointed for us and care for creation the way we were originally meant to. Now, I don't know what that day will look like. I don't know what's going to happen when creation is liberated from death and decay, but I can imagine. I imagine there will be no more earthquakes or tornadoes or hurricanes. I imagine there will be no more diseases or pandemics. I imagine the climate will remain within ideal parameters. I imagine there will be no more species going extinct. I imagine our resurrected bodies will no longer require food or even sleep, though we may eat and sleep. I imagine that caring for creation will re require some work on our part, but it will not be toilsome work. And by doing this work, we will be worshiping God. I imagine that our resurrection bodies will be youthful. I imagine that we will recognize one another and make new friends. I imagine that all our aches and pains and insecurities will be healed. What do you imagine? And, and what is the promise? of Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Sometimes I wonder about this. Will there be technology when earth is made new? What do you think? I mean, I don't know, but I suspect not. I'm guessing that all the technology that we're so, you know, entrenched with, addicted to right now will be unnecessary. You won't need a smartphone. And I imagine that as glorious as creation will be, the greater glory will be revealed in us. Now, you will still be you. Your personality will be uniquely you and yet perfected. And, and in our culture, there will be no pecking order, 
pecking order or popularity contest. Each person will be valued, will be treasured, and we will never have to be afraid of each other again. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I imagine that, that we will worship God in perfect freedom. Can you imagine that? We will sing and shout and dance in jubilant praise without a shred of self-consciousness, like, like a child. And then we will fall on our knees and reverently bow in worship before the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In another book, uh, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis tells of a, a group of people who take a bus ride from hell to heaven. Now, in hell, people have a hard time getting along, so they keep moving further and further away from each other. But some of them take this bus ride to the outskirts of heaven, knowing that they have the option of staying if they wish, though few of them do. What surprises them when they get off the bus is that heaven is so physical. It's so materially real, and they are not much more than apparitions. So when they walk on the grass, the grass does not bend to their weight. Instead, it pokes into their skin and hurts their feet. The spray of water from the stream doesn't get them wet. It, it hits their skin like hard diamonds. But the people from heaven are as solid and weighty as the grass and the water. And they are beautiful. They are at peace. They are wise and gracious. And they tell the people from hell that if they walk the final journey into heaven, they too will gradually become solid along the way. Don't you love that picture? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For now, we live with our present sufferings. And sometimes we get discouraged and we grow weary. And sometimes we get angry and we don't know how long we can put up with it. And yet our present sufferings are for a time and our glory is for eternity. And as we hold our, our present sufferings in that scale, we know that they can't compare to the glory that awaits. Now I'd like to end the message by inviting you to pray with me Jesus' kingdom prayer that I believe points to his promises in this life and in the life to come. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now where we have the opportunity to receive Holy Communion. And if you don't have the communion elements ready, I would encourage you to go take care of that now. Any kind of juice and, and uh, grain item would be appropriate, and, and you could even make some substitutions from there. I want you to know that 
I'm authorizing communion for this week only, um, the week of August 2nd through the 8th. And uh, you don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion through this service. I am, I am encouraging you to receive it, uh, whether even if you're not a member of any church. As long as you are coming in faith in Christ, wanting to repent of your sin and give your life to Him, live for Him, this is your opportunity to receive this this grace, this meal of grace. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, you came into this world and you walked with us our road of suffering. You took our burden upon yourself. And Lord, you took your sins upon yourself when you went to the cross and you died with them. And so Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your resurrection, for the life that we have and the promises that we have in you and, and the hope that we have, uh, the future that you have promised us. We pray in your name. Amen. Jesus ate with his disciples before he went to the cross. At one point in the meal, he took the bread and he gave thanks to God. He blessed the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. After the meal, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, this is my blood, it is poured out for you, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you drink of it, remember me. And so, Holy Father, we ask that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine. Let them be for us in this mysterious way, the body and blood of Christ, bringing your very presence to us. And let us be transformed that we may be the people of Christ, his body, redeemed by his blood. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And now you may serve one another or yourself.
good news is there is hope that one day all of creation will be made whole. Please do not forget to stop by faithwestwood.com forward slash service. Let us know you're here, fill out a connection card and give us your prayer request. You can also give to our 2020 vision. Our church has become really adaptable during this season, creating and doing more ministry than we've ever done before. The mission offering this week is for Helping Hands. Helping Hands is for people in our congregation that have a utility need, a rent need, or maybe have a transportation problem that they need fixed. So if you are able to give to that, we encourage you to give generously and everything you give will go back to your church family in need. Our prayer is that you will take care of yourself and be safe this week. We also would like to invite you to join us next week as we continue to worship.